0: Welcome to Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, June 7th of 2022. Where two laypersons, a pastor, and an academician gather for about 45 to 50 minutes each week to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday. This Sunday is June 12th. Each Tuesday we call in from wherever we may be at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And for our friend Charles Willard in Minnesota, that's 5.30 a.m. Thank you, Charles. Our little team's working to be faithful to Lectionary Year C., And that puts us in the Gospel of John on Sunday. We hope this discussion will provide areas of focus and reflection. And here's how it works. We develop perspectives independently after the leadoff. We share some formative questions. And then in this virtual discussion room, we share, encourage, and challenge each other. Our friend Bill Hall is traveling this week, and we look forward to his return. So we have a very special guest uh, getting our little team back to four. More on that in a moment. Here are the folks joining us in today's discussion.
1: Charles Willard.
2: Sarah Mickelson in Tampa. And I'm Catherine Kerr in Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: I'm
0: Don Upton. I'm also in Charlotte, North Carolina today. And uh, Catherine Kerr, thank you for joining us. I've been looking forward to having you part of this discussion all week. Uh, Ka- Catherine Kerr I uh, graduated from Davidson And uh, she's worked for a non profits Before getting her master's in counseling From Wake Forest uh, She was a middle school counselor after that Went to Princeton Seminary Served a church in Mississippi Before returning to Charlotte Was an associate at First uh, Presbyterian In Charlotte for 12 years And Catherine is now serving uh, At Covenant Presbyterian As the Senior Associate Minister For Pastoral Care in congregational life, and we say happy to have you here, Catherine, and welcome.
2: Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you. It's
0: um, I'm looking forward to a,
2: a lively discussion.
0: <laughs> well, after <laughs> that, we're looking forward to it too as well. And to help with that, Charles Willard is on point this week. Thank you, Charles. You're getting us ready for the Trinity Sunday, June 12th, gospel lectionary. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm super-duper, ready to go. (laughs) It's all yours. Well, let me begin by reading the gospel, the text that we have today, which is John uh, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. I want to say that uh, I'm reading from something that is new in the world uh, of uh, biblical studies because we have a new version of the revised standard version, uh, and this one is now called the new revised standard version, updated edition. Uh, the, the nice thing about it, from your point of view, even though uh, it has well, this this whole work has a total of twenty thousand total changes in the text of the Bible. Uh, uh, only. Uh, 12,000 are described by the the, 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 the editors as being uh, substantial. So we've got 12,000 substantial changes uh, and 20,000 total changes in the Bible that is now being circulated uh, and populated uh, since uh, a couple of months ago, well, about a month ago. And the nice thing for you is that although I'm reading from a text that I'm looking at that I, that I transcribed from the older version, there's no change in the part that you're looking at. In fact, you'll look hard and fast before you can find a change that actually looks like a change because of the way it was done. But that's so I'm, – I'm reading from the new revised standard version, comma, updated edition, even though it, it is also the new revised standard version, period. John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. But I has, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak wherever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and for this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That ends the gospel reading for this morning. Thank you. Thanks be to God. I, I circulated several uh, questions that I thought we could take up today. That would be uh, let, let us expand on this text. And I, in, in in what our my 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 guests y'all out there and, and y'all up further away. Um, are now re- recognizing is, uh, I've, I've simply changed those those questions. Now I've got to find those questions. <laughs> Okie dokie. What did he do with them, Charles? <laughs> they are here, he said, hopefully. That's what happens when you have a desk that's, that's covered like this with papers. You've got to make sure you get the papers that are the ones you need in order to be able to ask the questions you need to ask.
0: Okie dokie
1: Somebody's sending me a message? Is the is the message the answers?
3: <laughs> I have I have the questions if you want me to read them.
1: Yes, why don't you read all 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 four all three questions and then we'll start at the top. Terrific. Question number one. Sarah's
3: first question last week, with the deaths at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, unraveling all of us, was How do you hear these words in this time after this week? A week later, do we recall those words any differently? Question number two. The four verses we have today do not include the paraclete, however, they do sketch. The complex but comprehensive interrelationship among Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit of Truth. If we let our imaginations open widely, what are some truths we might experience? Question number three that I understand is subject to change. Paul Knitter, professor at Union Theological Seminary, wrote Without Buddha, I could not be a Christian.
1: Is this possible? And those Thank are you very much, sir. I that, yes, I I finally found the pieces of paper that I had, which will help, I think. What about the events that were uh, barely, barely ahead of, behind where we started last week? And it was... Uh, to say demoralized, I was would, would be uh, a, 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 an understatement of the sense of of mystery, the sense of distress, the sense of uh, unconsciousness of where we are. Sarah, since you started out the first one, the one to which I referred. And let me ask you then, how do you hear these words in this time after this week? A week later, do we recall these words any differently? There have been 33
3: mass shootings since Uvalde. In the last week, 33 mass shootings since Uvalde. I hear these words differently only because I've lived with them now. I process them now for a week. And I think that's the part that helps me hear them as words of comfort and words of strength. Um, It gave me time to consider. It gave me time to process and to resolve to action and to begin taking steps that I felt compelled to take because of how disassociated I felt and disheartened I felt after last week's events. And, and it, the, the fact that they've continued on a daily basis since then, or at least my awareness of them, maybe that's the, the, the hardest part of it, is my awareness of them has increased. And, and these words have uh, given me a stronger
1: resolve. A stronger resolve to do what?
3: To take action, to be a part of, of, of what I feel compelled, uh, the direction I feel compelled to move. Um, and that is, it, it, I would say, to become more engaged in the political process and make phone calls, sometimes more than once a day, to um, to my elected officials to say I'm concerned about this particular crisis. I think it's a health um, crisis that we 're experiencing uh, and the root the root of it is we don 't even have the ability to study scientifically the impacts of gun violence on our country because that 's prohibited i 'm like that 's bonkers to me so uh, i 'm taking action because it 's the natural recourse I have for feeling helpless. Does that
1: answer your question, Charles? It answers my question that worries me. It worries me because of my own personal situation. Um, I'm, I'm undergoing a transition up here in Minnesota where we moved, and I'm, what I'm trying to do is to find how to be a better husband for my wife, who is um, she's, an, she's, she's, she's classified as being an assisted living. She is an assisted living, except that we're living together. And it was one of the reasons, uh, there were other reasons, but that was highlighted um, when we moved here and has, has continued to, this, we, we moved here two years, we moved to Minnesota two years ago from Florida and we are now, um, after a year in, in the place where we were here for the first year, where I found that we were living uh, in a community that was run by an executive director who had no compassion and no empathy, and was managed by a head nurse who had no compassion and no empathy, and was uh, supported and by the the uh, director of uh, well the sales manager, who had no compassion and no empathy, and I, that's, that's that simply was unacceptable. Uh, there were some other things that happened, but we a year later we moved, and I am for the first time I think in my life we've been married now for almost 60 years, and I'm finally finding I'm finally finding out what it means to be a husband uh, to a, a wife uh, in a, in a very in a, a very interdependent uh, way that hadn't been the case before, and this is this has been stunning for me uh as i as I experience what what's what what that requires that I had simply blithely assumed for the the preceding sixty years almost so it's it's requiring it's requiring it's, it's it's stressful and these other things uh their their stress level for me is a is a different kind um you all go out all the time. I don't go, you know. I th- I can't remember the last time I went outside and walked around the outside of the building, even though it's not cold anymore. I just we just stay inside. So um, how I how I think about and how I think about your situation where you, Sarah, for example, you described, you know, what you do, <clears throat> and that just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't happen here. But you've
3: experienced something very similar to that, Charles, in that you have taken action in the thing that you feel stress about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's true, but it's, it's it's very. I'm not sure how John can be blamed for the way I'm behaving. But <laughs> what 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 it means is that I recognize that I have been operating on a on a completely independent self-centered uh, life and without having a dialogue about it, just assumed that my wife did the same thing. And she managed uh, in a variety of ways to survive that, uh, that independent way of functioning, but that, that those options aren't available to her anymore. And for me to pick them up is what's different.
2: You know, what's so fascinating to me about this scripture and about the two very different um, experiences that you're talking about, about a a national crisis and a relational crisis, which is what it sounds like for you, Charles, Mm -hmm. it's a personal and interpersonal, uh, a a, a massive change in your life. Um, What has stuck with me in this passage as I've, I've lived with it for several days is the, in the first um, the first verse, mm-hmm. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And I feel like it, over and over and over throughout my life, what has been so comforting to me is this idea that through Jesus and through the Spirit, God understands what we can bear and what we can't bear. and And this idea that the God who is greater than all of us understands that we go through times in our lives where we don't understand what's going on and we can't handle um, the fullness of the, the challenge of human life. And there's such an empathy and a compassion in that that just gives me so much comfort in the face of really hard things like what we're facing as a nation and, Charles, what you're facing in your own life and what each of us face in our own life that our God has a compassion for us that is expansive beyond anything we could imagine to the point that in his incarnate form would say, I have so much to tell you, but you can't handle it all. And so I'm going to give you what you can handle. How beautiful is that?
0: Thank you. I agree. I was looking at the, Mark Davis uh, translation and how he deals with the bearing it. And and I may have this wrong, but I I, I recall it having to do with lifting something, something of weight. not having the strength to pick it up. And and it just just broke open for me. So I was thinking about even the concept of what he's talking about, the concept of the the paraclete, the forward-looking, the future thinking. Uh, that's involved in this is just so interesting. And Charles, you're talking about you know a period of 60 years, and you know, it's interesting. John is probably 60 years out, something like that, in terms of what's being documented here. And your question, Charles, was about time. In this case, days, weeks after a tragedy, and the story is still being told and filled in. I just feel this conflict because the story's not told. Uh, who am I? Who am I, uh, to make any assumption about this? I have empathy, but who am I as the story is told more and more and more and more memories, even in just a matter of days, builds out and there's this future thinking in it. And with with the book of John and the role of the Paraclete, there's this sense, and I you have to put it in the entire book of John that uh things don't necessarily Things are not locked in time. Uh, Catherine, we talk a lot about uh, women going to the tomb in all the Gospels and what they're trying to do. And I always see it as they're trying to lock Jesus in time, memorialize him, write him in stone. And they can't hold to him. They can't be done. And I think the paraclete and this message, what we can't lift in the Scripture, we can't lift it and understand it now, is uh, all that ability to change and to continue to hear how the spirit provides the sense-making going forward is this future thinking. I know we're counseled to consider the day, but in this piece, there's this future thinking and the patience of listening. Uh, and And what I'll just say is this, I think, healthy ridicule of thoughts and prayers, which is more about, Locking in time and leaping to Conclusion it's, 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 This has got a real for me this week A special energy well, that's what I've been Thinking about Charles uh, Next question well,
1: Charles? All, Yeah I can get to the next question I just wanted to say How much I appreciate the way that the Lord Manages to Manage these things uh, He does it in a way uh that or he, she, them, they—they uh, they do it in a way that works out. In and in in I had no idea we were going to get to this point when we started out. But that's what I'm discovering in my life here in these conversations with you—is that it doesn't always start or get to the middle or end. In a way that we would have thought a plan uh, at, at the beginning, and yet the, the Lord does manage these human crises that we have in a way that works for not only the crisis, whatever the, the subject of the crisis would be, but it, it, it works for it works for all of us. That's the whole that's the whole point. All right, second question. The four verses we have today do not include the paraclete. However, they do sketch the complex but comprehensive in the relationship among Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit of truth, as he's named at one point. We let our imaginations open widely. What are some other truths might we experience? Let's see. Why don't we go to... Where are I write that one down. Catherine, it's up to you. What are some truths might we that we might experience? Other truths.
2: Well, that is quite a broad question. I made it from the standpoint of of this passage, as well as just what we are um, navigating again right now um, as a country. I think um, you know when I think about. Truth, from the perspective of our faith, um, I, I, I go back to um, this idea that we want, we want facts and we want verifiable things and that faith asks us to look beyond that and to understand that truth is um, not, uh, it, it's not always facts. it's not always something we can grab onto to say, for example, um, the stories in Scripture, we want to be able to point to them and say, did that actually happen? And interestingly enough, I am just about two weeks back from a trip to the Holy Land, and one of the things that um, happened over and over as we toured the different sites where Jesus was, our tour guide would say to us every time, now we're going to go to the place where they believe that Mary was born, and we're going to go to the place near where um, Jesus was born, Jesus was crucified. Can I tell you that this is the exact spot? No, I cannot. And I was so taken with the fact that this tour guide was um, was so clear in the fact that when people come there, they want someone to tell them this is exactly where this happened. This is exactly where Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes. This is the spot where Jesus stood to deliver the Sermon on the Mount. And the truth is, no one can say that. From 2,000 years, we've lost the exact spot. But it struck me. Um, as to what how human that desire is to grab onto something, I want to know exactly where Jesus stood so that I can be sure about my faith when faith actually calls us to embrace the truth without having verifiable fact um, in front of us there there's plenty of archaeological evidence there's plenty of 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 certainty that the general area is where Jesus was. But what is this human desire to say, this is the spot. This is the thing. This is the, um, undeniable truth. I'm I'm interested in the, the broader truth. And this passage to me gives the broader truth. God in three persons, blessed Trinity is with us in all things even and especially those things that we cannot understand, starting with the Trinity itself. I mean, we have we can't we can't nail that down. So why do we think we can nail down so many other things?
0: Don, thank you. And for the record, Charles Willard asked us to use our imaginations.
2: I know. We're,
0: I was so excited. So I just I want to put a... Okay. Oh, this is a soak in. What this is to soak in. This is exciting. I, I just made a few notes on this. I really appreciate that question. And uh the first thing that I was thinking about is just a reminder, what is it to walk at each other's side? That I think there's a, w- a way to understand what the Paraclete's doing by what we can do for each other. That there that there's the analogy Jesus uses Common metaphors about being at each other's side. So I think we can demonstrate that. We can understand it with a prayer or what it is to support each other and be at each other's side at all stages of life. I mean, I've got a really simple example. I was with uh, my, my granddaughters over the weekend, and I put a towel over my head. Ha-ha. And the one who's almost three, she thought it was hilarious, and I made a face. The other one was terrified. She's a little under one. Didn't understand. And and so my older granddaughter said, "Why is she frightened? Why is she scared?" Now think about the three of us sitting there. Well, you know, I was having a good time. I wasn't looking at the little one. I was looking at the three-year-old, laughing, laughing. Well, when I finally looked over the other, the look on the face—you can imagine what is the strangeness here. But I'm explaining to the older one. I said, "You know, she's never seen this before. That's all. It's new." It's new. And she goes mm. and she at and she goes, Well this is that's a towel over his head. And she started explaining. I says, That's your job. We help each other. You've seen me do that before, haven't you? Yes, I have. Well she hasn't. It's something new. And it was I went that's it's that simple as we have multiple generations there explaining the fact that I put a towel over my head and it mattered. Right? It mattered. And she, it set the tone for the three year old in terms of watching and listening. So for me, Charles, I'm getting out of this is those basic questions for each other. And Catherine, you're trained as a counselor. You know, what are you doing? What happened to you? Where are you going? What are you thinking about? And in Jesus, with Jesus, especially in Luke, which is not the subject today, he's always saying, you know, I, I know what you're thinking, I know what's on your mind. That's the one thing we probably can't do for each other. For us, it's don't assume you know anything. You can ask. You can let stories be told. Stand back, let it happen, understand. But Jesus could also say, I know what's on your mind. So let's talk about that. So Charles, you set this up. Today's discussion is we're, we're uh, you know, a couple weeks out from a terrible tragedy. We know it's tragedy. We know what is on each other's mind, but it hasn't been Played out. I just, I'm, I'm loving uh, how that is so now and so future. John was written dozens of years afterwards, and here we are, two thousand years later. Someone chose to curate all of this, but there's so much more. You know, John's, John's always like, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. There's so much that hasn't been told here. They chose to curate. This is all brought together, and we're, I think, charged with being curators as well, uh, to be discerning about what we get right. And for me, you know, the real truth that's coming to me is don't, reminder, don't assume. I don't know. Charles always counseled us. We don't know exactly what people understood or what was said 2000 years ago. I don't know how someone feels today. I can empathize. I can ask questions, Uh, but we're all in the business of sense-making. Uh, with the spirit at our sides, even when when a grandfather puts a towel over his head, it's my job to help everybody make sense of what was going on. So the Paraclete, I guess that's for the Father out of chaos. The chaos of the towel over his head, the chaos of what the news is, the chaos of not having all the data uh, is the Creator, the Eternal. John begins with the Eternal in uh, the beginning of the Word, and then for Jesus, the blood, the and I. I And I just mean the sacrifice, I mean a beating heart and the weight of gravity and a person Mm -hmm. walking, moving and walking and moving through time, a human being. And then finally, the spirit, which I think for me today is more about storytelling and me being not knowing at all, not being orthodox, not being fundamental, but just saying, what? Tell me more. What is happening? Tell me. Tell me. And filling in the pieces uh, and it 's all we all are charged with filling in those gaps with the prayer and with the spirit walking at our side, so that's that was coming to mind for me uh, charles hmm.
3: well i 'll throw in that I was drawn to the words
1: um,
3: that are lifted up in the scripture, and uh so my truth became guide, repeat, represent, declare a repeater declare. And we've talked about that before um, how that works in networks and how that works in radio towers and how that works in in our households. Um, So, a repeater or an amplifier for Jesus' presence. Um, In the first world, we have something called instant gratification. And we have purveyors of these instant gratifications, things like Uber Eats. Uh, DoorDash, Instacart, Amazon, Google, and they strive to stage and provide just-in-time goods and services. And we find in these verses a bold and modern presentation of just-in-time guidance when we need it, just-in-time remembrance when we need it, just-in-time presence and comfort when we need it, um, I think I find in this this language, uh, if you build it, I will come, presence. Sorry to plagiarize field of dreams, but I think that's part of the challenge for me is the Spirit steps into my space, where I am, where my head space is, and what I'm capable of understanding, and, and gives me a message, a remembrance, or even just a presence of Jesus at that moment where either I'm deeply unsettled, or I'm deeply questioning, or I'm deeply uh, struggling, and I get this sense of it's going to be okay. We'll find a path. Um, or here's here's the next step. That's all you need right now. Here's the next step. Because it may not be okay. It may just be here's your next step. But that's what I hear in these truths. Um, and thank you for letting my imagination um, run
1: Y'all are doing a great job. Thank you. But it's not the end. It's not It's not the end. Uh, I've decided I'm not going to try to explore Paul Nitter's book. Uh, uh, Without Buddha, I could not be a Christian. It is a good book uh, and a remarkable piece of work. I want to ask you to take a look at uh, our work in these four Gospels uh, and to recognize that not only was um, not only was John the, the last of the four that was written, uh, it was written way after the others. It was written. And to remind you to remind us that the, the four gospels, although they come at the beginning of the New Testament, because that's the way it was lined up, uh, and then, but in fact, the way that it actually occurred was that the, 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 the Pauline epistles were the ones that were written first at the very beginning. And this one that we were, are working on today was only written way toward the end of the first century, years after the others, years after the events themselves occurred, years after Jesus lived and died uh, and was resurrected. And my question that I want you to explore with me is why might somebody like John felt called upon to write this since all this other work had been done. Paul's letters had already been written. The three other Gospels had all been written, all related to each other, independent uh, each, uh, dependent upon each other in, in a variety of ways. And... John comes along at the very end, after all the, after the, especially after the other three gospels have been written. Why wasn't that enough? What is it that John was thinking that he was doing and adding to what the others had already done, and to do it in a different way? And I want to suggest that um, John's approach is completely. Um, It's completely different from the way that the other three Gospels were written, Uh, and one way to think about that is that, let me see if I can get this right now, that I'm not looking at what I wrote. I didn't write down something I could look at and just read it off and say, here it is, you know, gobble it up. There are two ways of making a presentation, and the one would be, which is what the Gospels, the, the other three Gospels represent, would be. Oh, um, well, let me get this right now. I'm sorry, take a minute. In the Gospel of John, we have what would be called an objective genitive, I think. And in the Gospel, the other three Gospels, it would be subjective genitives. No, it's the other way around. The Gospel of John is, an ob- is a subjective genitive, so it would be that's why it starts out I, 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 almost all the way through. And the other Gospels are he, 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 he. So they're talking about Jesus. The gospel of John is representing Jesus as being speaking directly, and and it may be that that's that's the reason that John was moved to do what he did after so long a time of this being that they didn't get it quite right in the sense that they didn't present it quite right. So that John presents Jesus as speaking, uh, I am, I am, I am, And the others, Jesus is speaking, here it is, here it is, here it is. And I guess my question is, after that sort of stumbling description, do you sense that that makes a difference uh, or not? Uh, And do you hear anything different? Is John trying to uh, persuade the readers that this is worth being different, even though each of the three was written uh, and actually quite dependent upon each other. Mark, and then it was used by both Luke and, um, and Matthew, but in different ways. And they were they were all related to each other, but that's why the so-called synoptic gospels go together. And John is like the the stranger, independently but it's 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 in the in 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 first person. I, I, I. Does that make a difference to anybody?
0: I think it does.
1: It, speak.
3: Well, there's a huge difference between being the good news or telling us the good news. One's a living example. The other one is yet another um photographic evidence of what it looked like to see the good news. And so I think that's kind of the difference between um, a breathing narrative that invites the reader in. For me, the book of John has always been the one that captured me. The others were kind of narratives that I could follow along. But the book of John invited me to step closer, if that's the case, because of how it was written. Um, a a living good news a living path a a process by which I could echo and and become someone that walked the path better
2: Um,
3: that's just my take on it
2: I have a very similar experience Sarah and the way I've often thought of it is I think of the synoptic gospels as kind of the structure and the framework and John is the the living moving piece that animates it, and so it, it in some ways the way I understand the Spirit in our lives. John, the the poetry of John, the the personal feel of it, it, you know, the synoptics give us the structure and the story which we need desperately, and John fills in with the animating voice of Christ. And um, I've always loved it for that reason. And, and I think it does make sense that, that this comes later, that you know people had the facts and, and the, the reality as they understood it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John is this, okay, we, you may have heard the story, and here's, here's Christ's voice and an understanding of the Word that became flesh that, you know, here's here's a piece of it that we need to understand in order to live more fully in faith. I right, thank you.
0: And, and John? I, I think so there was uh, there was a sense of a need at that point, down the road. There, uh, and I, I mean this in a really healthy way, and in the spirit of the passage today, some things need to be tidied up. Together. Isn't that always the case? Uh, yeah, I could I could go back and read something I wrote down five years ago and go, oh, who already reads that? Because that's not tidy. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of future thinking in this. Uh, that that we are tidying up uh, as we go. We need to under, we need to help each other walk beside each other. We need to paraclete to help tidy it up because it's heavy. Can't bear this. It's tough. And so uh, there's a retrospective, and this is uh, part of the tidying up is, oh, we need to add the cosmic in the beginning. Aha. Let's start this one and set, set it in terms of the eternal first. Let's do that. And then we get to these passages at the end, part of the tidying up. I think we've got, like, Philip just a week ago or two weeks ago going, well, if you'll just make it clear to us now, please, we'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And this book goes, that's not the way it works. winds out, winds out, winds out. We'll be here, we'll be there. And I think last week we talked about Catherine that uh, 50 years from now, whether we like it or not, this podcast will be around. Yes. Oh, my. And
1: people, <laughs> people will be saying, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? <laughs>
0: Hear Charles's voice. But it will. It will. So part of it is, you know, we take a deep breath before we do this. And, you know, I'm not saying my voice has any value 50 years from now. But knowing it would be out there, what kind of tidying up is needed? Well, I depend Definitely. on my granddaughter uh, 50 years from now to say, well, look at the picture of my grandfather. He's uh, long past. Uh, but don't be afraid. It's just a towel on his head. He wasn't a scary person at all. May we're doing that for each other. And I, this book is a tidying up, is saying, look forward, look forward, look forward. I'm giving you the cosmic, I'm giving you the past. This is forward. So I say, uh, in summary, Charles, this passage is the answer to your question. This, this particular short passage, this Trinitarian view, which is who is God? Who is Jesus? What is the Spirit? How do we bear up? How do we understand? How do we help each other? I think the answer is actually the four, the four verses that we had today. How about you, Charles?
1: Well, I want to say by in conclusion, at least in conclusion, the part that I wanted to add is that I, I, I finally recognized, well, it's not that this is the first time I've seen it, but it's not a matter of either or. It's not a matter of the synoptics got it right, and you know, and. This one came along two you know, later. It's 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 both and, and that's the nice part about being able to at this distance to see the the, the two instead of having to deal with one or three. And then in our case, we got we get we get both.
3: Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if the synoptics bring us a two-dimensional impression. And then John steps into the picture and we get three dimensions. And there's mm-hmm. just the difference in animation. When you move from a 2D screen to a 3D presentation, it moves from being something so foreign that we can go, that's not us, into something that becomes so much like us. We can go, I recognize myself now. And I think there's some loveliness in moving it from two dimensions into three dimensions and bringing us, giving us space to move into the story. And for me, that, I think you're right, Charles, it's both and. And
2: the beauty is that God, God gives us this complexity instead of just saying, here's the story. I have it here. It is in one way. This is it. This is all you need to know. And, you know, I I often say that. I mean, we think it would be easier if what we had was maybe a pamphlet from God that said, "Here here are the key points, here are the cliff notes, this is what you have to do. And when this happens, do this, and when this happens, do this. And life is not like that, and that's not how God interacts with us. God interacts with us in a complex way that's also quite simple, that, the, that it boils down to, I am God, you are humans, you are beloved, follow me, love one another. But we know when we live that out, it's complicated, and scripture bears that out, right? And I mean, it's, here are lots of different ways to understand it, live into it um, to the best of your ability.
0: Well, Charles, thank you for leading us this week. It's just great to have you on point. Thank you. Kathy, thank you for joining our little family. It's great to have you with us today. Sarah, always a pleasure to see and hear you. And for folks listening in, Palmacea Presbyterian Church is at 3501 West San Jose Street. That's in Tampa, Florida. They make this program possible. Uh, and for more information, you can go to palmisia.org. That's P A L M A ceia.org, and we commend that site to you because there's great prayers, sermons, uh, differences of opinion on Scripture, uh, a chance to take communion, outstanding music. So check that out, and you're always welcome, and we'll see you next time.